Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN.com, and this is a Final Four-focused episode of the Take 10 Podcast for obvious reasons. After a two-year hiatus, a two-year absence from Final Four, the Big Ten is back in the Final Four. Michigan beat Florida State this past weekend to advance to San Antonio and their first Final Four since 2013. So we'll definitely be talking a ton of Michigan basketball, a ton of Final Four on this episode of the Take 10 Podcast. And to do that, I uh, went ahead and booked a guest that we've had on once before, a couple months ago on this show, and it's definitely a timely and fitting guest, Spike Albrecht. Spike, if you might remember, was the breakout star of the 2013 Final Four when Michigan went uh, five years ago, and he was a freshman point guard, shaggy-haired dude on that team who broke out in the title game against Louisville for 17 points and kind of stole the show, even though Michigan ended up losing that game to the Louisville Cardinals, who eventually had to vacate that NCAA title because of some uh, infractions. So, got Spike Albrecht on the show for about 20 minutes to talk Michigan hoops, talk uh, kind of his run in 2013, his team's run compared to the 2018 Michigan Wolverines, because, you know, it's a great story that Michigan... Uh, has rattled off 13 wins in a row and, and won the Big Ten tournament and now has advanced to the Final Four. Those teams are definitely different, and, and Spike and I get into that quite a bit. Spike had a ton of NBA talent in that team. This Michigan team, not sure quite how much uh, NBA talent they have, but they play really well together as a team. They lock down on defense. They've been interesting to watch throughout the tournament because they kind of scrape by, uh, especially against Houston. They didn't play all that well against Montana, and blew the doors off Texas A&M, and struggled mightily shooting from deep against Florida State but did enough on defense and uh, down the stretch to, to win that game this past Saturday. So Michigan's going to be in San Antonio. I will be in San Antonio as well, uh, lucky enough to be able to go down and cover all the festivities and, and Michigan's game against the Loyola Ramblers who have dominated the sports discussion here in Chicago for the last couple of weeks. Um, they've been a great story as well, but now uh, they got to go up against the Big Ten reps, the Wolverines, so can't wait for that game down in San Antonio on Saturday at the Alamo Dome, and um, we'll be down there bringing you, hopefully, some uh, good digital coverage, and um, hopefully we'll be able to talk to some interesting guests for a future podcast episode, similar to what we did in New York, if you listen to that, where we just kind of took all the interesting snippets from all the characters who were there, and boil it up into one episode. So Spike is the uh, the first guest on this episode, and then I also had to call my man Harold Shelton in for a final stat head segment. Uh, we've been doing those all football and basketball season. It's been great talking to him, getting his insight. Uh, no one's better with numbers than, than Harold, and I had to do that one more time at least before basketball season came to a close, and we all kind of, you know, retreat for the uh, the summer and, and take it easy a little bit. The, the podcast episodes will still be coming, but the in-depth breakdown of college sports will kind of take a backseat as uh, football and basketball go into hibernation for the summer. So, got each on one more time for uh, a final stat head before summer break. So that was great. And um, yeah, that's what we, we got for you this week, heading into a, a big weekend Big Ten basketball, at least if you're a fan of the Michigan Wolverines or a fan of Big Ten teams doing well. Before we get to those interviews, one last uh, reminder to please continue to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on we're on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. And uh, 
you're on SoundCloud right now, just head on over to one of those platforms and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes of the Take 10 Podcast. And actually, one final reminder as well that the coupon code in the btn.com online store is still active. And if you use the coupon code capital T-A-K-E-1-0, it's Take 10. You can take 10% off your order on the btn.com online store. So there, if you're a Michigan fan, you can find Big Ten Tournament Championship gear, NCAA Tournament gear, and all kinds of Big Ten swag as well if you are a uh, Michigan State or Ohio State fan begrudgingly listening to this and hating all the Michigan coverage. You can find some some uh, swag on there as well. So there, there's something for everyone. All Big Ten fans on the btn.com online store. So use that promo code TAKE10. All right, so um, with that intro out of the way, let's get into it with Spike Albrecht, a four-year Michigan player, one-year player at Purdue as a grad transfer, and a hero, even in defeat, of the 2013 national title game. It is Spike Albrecht on the Take 10 Podcast. I'm very pleased to be joined by a now recurring guest here on the Take 10 Podcast, uh, former Michigan and Purdue guard, also a former Final Four standout for the Wolverines. It's Spike Albrecht. Spike, welcome back, and congrats on the Wolverines, man. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Spike, you said, uh, he told me before we got on here that you were going to San Antonio this weekend, and uh, you've actually been in Ann Arbor the past few days. What are you doing up there? I was just going back to see the team, um, talk with the coaches and whatnot. Um, you know, it's a great time of the year to be in Ann Arbor, so I wanted to make sure I, I got up there to, to wish them luck before they head down to San Antonio. All right, sounds good, and I knew I had to get you on this week. I know I'm not the only one with this idea since you told me you've been making the media rounds this week as the star of uh, – Michigan's most recent Final Four in 2013, so you must be uh, pretty popular this, this week, huh? Yeah, man, definitely. I'm. It's great though. You know, I don't know if I'm I'm the star from last one, but I think I'm I'm one of the only ones who's really available, as most of the guys from that team are now playing either in the NBA or overseas. So, you know, I don't actually <laughs> know if I was everybody's first choice, but. You know, I appreciate the kind words. That's the modest way of looking at it. So uh, yeah. before we get into this Final Four and, and obviously Michigan's huge weekend coming up, since we have your perspective on here, I wanted you to, if possible, think back to that week five years ago. And obviously on campus, you're there, you know, the hype train's already left the station. People are going wild, I'm sure, for the Wolverines. But what do you remember about the festivities that are all kind of packaged into the entire experience from when you went through it in 2013? Yeah, man, it's it's absolutely crazy, and that's what I was just telling some of the guys. Um, the entertainment aspect, you know, of college basketball is in full effect Final Four weekend. You know, I remember when we got down there, you know, well, even before then, you know, it's police escorts everywhere you go, um, you know, constant media attention. Um, but then when you actually get there, you know, I remember we went to the convention center and all four teams were there and we were hanging out. You know, there's like a big arcade room. Guys were, were dancing and rapping, and there was, you know, pop a shot going on and things like that. Um, and then we got to listen to, to guest speakers. I remember Jim Nance was one of them. And obviously growing up, if, if you're a sports fan, you know who, who Jim Nance is. So it was just an incredible week um, with a bunch of fun-filled activities. So with all the, the pomp and circumstance kind of surrounding everything, you're on campus there. You, you get the vibe. How do you think these guys are handling it? Um, I mean, I, I assume it's – pretty you know business as usual for them as much as possible because they're they're a veteran team they've kind of been through these march runs before but how, how are you how do you think they're uh 
handling it just being around the team and around that town right now? You know, I think they're doing a great job. And, and obviously, Coach Beeline, you know, been coaching as long as he has. He he has a really good understanding of it, and, you know, he, he gets it. Um, and he still wants those guys to enjoy it and embrace the moment, you know, this journey that they're on, you know, because these kids, you know, they're still 18 to 22 year old kids. And, you know, this is a special moment in time, you know, for their lives, for them and their, their families. So you want to, you want to have fun and enjoy it, you know, but at the same time, you got to balance and you got to approach it, you know, like it's, it's a business plan too. You know, we're going down there to, uh, to win a championship. Sure. And even though this 20, 18, 2017, 18 version of the Wolverines. They have more wins than your team had in 2013. They're a high seed at number three. But would you agree that your team had more raw talent? Because in my opinion, I don't think there's any question. I mean, Trey Burke, who is dropping 40 points in the NBA, we saw, I think, just last night. Tim Hardaway, Mitch McGarry, Nick Stauskas, Glenn Robinson III, list goes on. Do you think that team had more raw talent than than this 2017-18 team? Yeah, yeah. You know, I love this team, and you know it's incredible what they've they've been able to accomplish. But you know, I mean, if you just look, you know, on paper, it's not even close. I mean, there was six NBA players on that roster um, back in 2013. You know, I think four or five first round draft picks. So the talent we had back then is is off the charts. Um, but that doesn't take away you know anything that that this team has done or any of the talent that they have. You know, this team, you know, they got the right pieces together. They they play well together and, you know, they play defense. You know, they take a lot of pride in, in locking people up. And that's something that, that we didn't really do back in, in 2013. We just thought we were going to outscore you. Yeah, so how do you think Coach Beeline's done it with this group? Like you said, no doubt this group's talented, but you alluded to, you know, the multiple lottery picks, all the NBA players on, on your squad. So is it anything beyond the defense? I know that's probably the biggest philosophical change that's gone on since you were playing days. But how has Beeline done it with this particular group? Um, with the 13 wins in a row, taking them all the way to the Final Four? I think a lot of it has to do with their personnel. You know, they got the, the right pieces. They got guys, you know, going back to the defensive end, you got guys like, you know, Xavier Simpson and Charles Matthews who aren't, you know, your typical Michigan style of players. You know, but I feel like Coach Beeline's found a great balance in, you know, being able to play to those guys' strengths. Um, and then the other guys across the board, I really think they're just a matchup problem for teams, especially, you know, in an NCAA tournament style where it's usually a two-game prep, you know, um, or a two-day prep, I'm sorry. Um, you know, they're just – they're hard to prepare for. You know, they got so many weapons, guys that can put the ball on the floor but also make shots. So, you know, they spread you out. They share the basketball. Um, but at the end of the day, the icing on the cake is, you know, their defense because whether or not they're making shots, they can still beat you because of their defense. Yeah, and Max Bielfeld, another teammate of yours, is going to be in the studio tomorrow. I'm going to ask him about this, but how do you think Michigan has been able to have so much success these last few years without really a true big man? You know, there's not really a whole lot of meat in the post. How are they able to neutralize teams with, with so much more athleticism like Florida State or Texas A&M with that lack of size? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, I think part of it is that I think the game's changing as well. You know, it's kind of evolving. Like, there's not really too many true big true like five men anymore um but that's just coach b's style and his system you know it's almost he plays a little bit of risk reward you know with the five man in that spot in terms of oh we may struggle stopping you at times but you got to come out and guard us too and i think that's kind of philosophy you know the past couple years with having 
guys like Mo Wagner and, and DJ Wilson who were able to step out and, you know, knock down shots. Sure. And if you could maybe compare this 2018 run to your run in 2013. You guys had to get by some real powerhouse programs like Kansas, Florida, Syracuse. And this team has kind of run into the non-traditional college basketball programs that have been good, like Texas A&M. Houston, mm-hmm. Florida State, teams you don't necessarily expect to go deep into March. Can you kind of compare the, the run that you remember going through um, as opposed to the current one here in 2018? Yeah. You know, obviously you kind of alluded to it right there. You know, we kind of had to go through all the top seeds on our way there. I mean, we went through a good South Dakota State team and then VCU, Kansas, Florida, and Syracuse, you know, who are all really good teams. They've had a little bit of a different route. But, I mean, you know more than anyone. You look, at the end of the day, those seedings and the rankings, that doesn't, you know, mean anything. Those teams, everyone in that tournament's really good, and they're there for a reason. So they played some really good teams and, and beat some really good teams. Also, this team, it seems like, has improved a ton since the beginning of the season. I remember watching them in non-conference play, and they were kind of just squeaking by some some of the weaker teams that they faced early in the season. They got beat by North Carolina, and that game wasn't all that competitive at the end. So... Yeah. Did your team go through something similar? Did you improve as the season went along like this team has? Or were you guys, with all that talent, kind of, you know, locked and loaded from the beginning? Yeah, you know, that year we were completely – because we had, you know, guys coming back, obviously, and Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway. But then we also had our our stellar freshman class. So we had just a ton of talent across the board. So we we started off 16-0. You know, I mean, we were we were rolling from the, from Jump Street. Right. These guys, you know, people were kind of back in, you know, November and December, kind of writing Michigan off, but they were still trying to figure out pieces to the puzzle. I mean, really have their point guard spot, you know, figured out back then. And Xavier's really come on strong. And, you know, Coach B, he did what, he, what he's always done. He's got them playing their best basketball in March, and they're hot at the right time, and I think they're going to win the national championship. I'm glad you brought up Xavier Simpson a couple times. Um because the other night, I mean, I've, I've watched him all season these last couple of years, and I remember he was a big recruit coming out of Ohio. But just I'm, I'm amazed constantly, even more more, and more as, as I watch him play, the way he's able to kind of manipulate the ball and defenders and turn his lack of size and, and athleticism into almost an advantage using his deceptive you know, head fakes, hesitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's really impressive. And I, I want to get your thoughts on, as a former point guard yourself, how he kind of overcomes those physical physical limitations at five ten, similar to kind of how you were able to do so. No, for sure, man. I I couldn't agree more with you, man. I I love Xavier Simpson's game, and you know, like I had mentioned earlier, he's not your typical Coach Beeline Michigan point guard, you know, because he doesn't shoot the ball exceptionally well and things like that. But what he does bring to the table in terms of the intangibles and you know his defense and things like that, um, you know, I I think like a lot of it too late in the season is his confidence on the offensive end has really come a long way. Um, but he's a problem. I mean, especially on the defensive end, he gets into guys. He makes it, he makes it difficult. Um, you know, he's a pit bull on defense and, you know, I think he's the, uh, the straw that, that stirs their drink. So how sweet is it for you as, as a Michigan guy in a season where Michigan state was the big 10 team kind of all the way projected to be the big 10 rep for the final four. And then Michigan ends up taking making this run, and they took the Spartans down along the way in the Big Ten tournament. How sweet is that for you to see it kind of unfold the way it has? It was awesome, man. It was awesome because, you know, kind of like I had mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of teams kind of wrote – or a lot of people, pardon me, kind of wrote Michigan off 
you know, and didn't think they had the talent, you know, to to win the Big Ten and make a deep run. And, you know, it's always great when you see, you know, a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily one and dones you know, go out and beat some of the Blue Bloods and, you know, make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, you know, as a spectator this year, it's been a lot of fun to watch and, and cheer them on. All right, how about your other team? Um, you played for Purdue for your graduate transfer senior season. Obviously, their run came to an end this past week yep. at the hands of Texas Tech. And they had some unfortunate injury luck with Terrible Isaac Haas weird. going out. It's too bad uh, on that front. Yeah. What, what's your kind of reaction to how their season played out and how it ended here these last, uh, these last couple weeks? Yeah, man, it, it I, I felt terrible for those guys, you know, and for Coach Painter, who's one of the, the true class acts in, in college basketball. You know, I, I really felt like this was their year to make a run at it, you know, possibly make it to the Final Four, but it, it was just terrible luck for them. You know, it kind of reminded me to some degree of when Robbie Hummel was, was a junior, when he got hurt. You know, that was really – that was the last really good Purdue team that – everyone thought was going to make a deep run and for you know a kid like Isaac who's an unbelievable player and even better person to have his career you know cut short senior year like that um it was you know it was just hard to watch I felt bad for those guys yeah no doubt all right so moving on to Michigan's uh, upcoming opponent here in the final four I'm sure you've seen plenty of, of Loyola by now um mm-hmm. they're the darling of the entire country they're the huge story here in Chicago you're from pretty close to Chicago. You, you kind of know when this city kind of embraces a sports team that is uh, on a run, especially like Loyola, it's, it's something pretty special. So with what you've seen, you know, I'm sure it's it's been limited to the tournament mostly, but we've seen a lot of them by now. What do you see out of Loyola that's going to make it difficult for Michigan to, to move on to the national championship game? Well, I think first and foremost, that coach, Porter Mosier, has done an unbelievable job. Um, you know, they're really, really well coached. Um, but they just got a bunch of bunch of guys who are high basketball IQ. You know, honestly, sim- similar to Michigan. I don't think they have, you know, the athleticism and as many guys who can, you know, do as much. But, you know, they play the game the right way. They share the basketball. And, you know, they play great defense too. So, um, you know, I think a team like this is a tougher matchup for Michigan than one of those, you know, high-flying, super-athletic teams like Texas A&M or Florida State. So, you know, I'm expecting it to be a good game, um, but you know, I do think Michigan's going to be able to to edge him out when it's all said and done. Yeah, let me know if you agree with this assessment because I think a lot of what you just said is is right on. You, you kind of alluded to it that they play a similar style, yeah. and I, I think it'll be a good matchup. I just think Michigan, at the end of the day, when, when those styles kind of not necessarily cancel each other out, but when they match up, I think Michigan has the talent advantage. You know, with a guy like Mo Wagner. Charles Matthews has played really well. Abdul Rahman's got the veteran leadership. I think that talent's going to win out. That's why my pick is Michigan. Uh, Absolutely. Let me know if that's the reason why you think Michigan will advance. Absolutely. That's. I mean, I'm 100% in agreement with you. You know, like I said, I like very similar styles of play, but you know, when teams cancel each other out like that, um, you know, talent and you know things like that come into play. You know, Michigan's going to going to have a little bit more athleticism. That, athleticism than them at certain positions, um, you know, just a little bit more weapons, you know, and if, if Michigan's hitting shots, um, I mean, they're it's scary. Like then it could get a little bit messy because um, if they're hitting shots, they're, they're tough. Yeah. We saw exactly that against Texas A&M. They were, yeah. you know, no one was beating them that night. No, that's crazy. 
Um, one thing about this Michigan team, it's it's just a really fun team. It's likable. You know, Mo Wagner, he's a likable guy. He's got the whole story with backstory with his mom coming to see him from Germany. Like that, that's a cool story. Abdur Rahman's yeah. a guy who's who's persevered and and stuck around for four years and really carved out a, a nice role and a great career. And then of yeah, course absolutely. you got you know you got Jordan Poole who. I don't know how anyone can't like him, even though he hasn't even played that much since that big shot uh, against mm-hmm. Houston. But he's a guy that just has that magnetic personality. So yeah. I'm wondering, what are those guys like, you know, off the court? Are they pretty much the same as what we see on TV? You know, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Duncan Robinson as well. I mean, you want to talk about misfits. We got a guy who came from a Division three school, and, you know, here he is playing in a Final Four. Um, but you could just tell they're having the times of their lives, and what you see on TV and – you know, all the the spunk and the laughter, that's that's them. Like, that's real. And, you know, that's who they are as people, and that's Michigan basketball. So it's fun to watch, and I'm excited to uh, to be able to get down there this weekend and watch them hopefully continue on. Yeah, a couple more questions before I let you go. Spike, you mentioned just now and at the top of the show that you were uh, going to be down in San Antonio. What are you? Uh, what do you got planned this weekend? You got any, uh, got any trouble you're going to get into, or are you mainly just going to be a fan and Ooh. watch the games? Yeah, well, there's there's always some trouble to be had, but um, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm I'm just looking forward to connecting with a lot of the Michigan fans. I think there's there's going to be a big pep rally on Saturday, so I was speaking with some of the Michigan alums, and I'm gonna try to get over there, um, go meet with some people and just show some face. So it'll be a good time, and then you know hopefully they get the win, and you know we'll see what happens after that. Make it a long weekend. Um. Yeah, for sure. Last question. Last time you were on the podcast and we had you in the studio, you brought up uh, Trey Burke and his cranberry juice habit, uh, or his, his affinity for cranberry yeah. juice. I won't call it a habit. His affinity for cranberry yeah. juice. We, he had that big outburst of scoring um, for the Knicks recently, and you, you tweeted, please pay this man. So my question is, how many uh, cases of cranberry juice is he going to buy with whatever new contract he gets? Dude, he can he can buy the whole store. The money he's about to get. That man's about to get paid. TV is back. He's back. He got the he got the braids and he's back. I love it. I know the new look, old game. I oh, love it great. as well. It's good to see. I knew I. He was one of those guys. Like when I was in college, I was like, he's a can't miss. You know, pro player. Absolutely. Kind of faded for a little bit. Like you said, he's back and he's he's got the braids. Yeah. He's got the swag. All right. Oh, for sure. All right, Spike, uh, I'll let you go, let you get out of here, I'm sure. Like I said, you uh, got plenty of suitors this week. People wanting to talk to you and hit you up, so I won't take up any more of your time, but I appreciate you jumping back on the show, and we'll see you in San Antonio. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Take care. All right. All right, thanks a lot to Spike for joining me. Always a good time talking to him, and I hope to run into him down in San Antonio as long as he's not getting into too much mischief. With, uh, with his boys down there. Next up is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, a final Stathead segment with Harold Shelton. Now, I never want to say never um, as far as later this spring. Maybe there will be a reason to bring H in on the podcast, but, um, you know, always happy to talk to him. But as far as Big Ten football and basketball goes, this will be the last in-depth breakdown of the season with H. So I will stop talking, and I'll let H do the talking, and we'll get into the interview with BTN researcher, Harold Shelton. Very pleased to be joined on the phone this time for another BTN Stathead segment. It is our BTN researcher, Harold Shelton. Harold, welcome on. This is weird, man. We never do this on the phone. Yeah, I know. Definitely a different 
uh, style and different change of pace, but uh, still happy to be on. For sure. It's been a lot of fun breaking down football and basketball with you. This will probably be our last uh, stat head for football and basketball 2017-18, but, you know, there's always another season, and uh, it should be a fun weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. All right, so let's get into it. We'll uh, talk Final Four, and at a distance first, I just kind of want you to break down the Final Four at 30,000 feet. So we got Kansas, Villanova, Loyola, and Michigan. Give me something, starting with uh, Michigan and Loyola, that each team does well and, and you think uh, they can use to their advantage that we'll see in San Antonio this weekend? Uh, well, yeah, starting with that game, I'd say both teams are pretty similar. Um, both teams are very good passing teams, very good at moving without the ball. Uh, they can both shoot it. Uh, Loyola's been the best shooting team in the entire tournament thus far. Uh, we've seen the potential of Michigan, uh, you know, they scored 99 against A&M and, you know, just completely shot the lights out in that game. So we know the potential is there. John Beeline teams are normally good offensively. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, these teams are kind of mirror images just in terms of the way that they like to play. All right. How about uh, Kansas and Villanova? What are, what are those teams good at? What are they used to their advantages? I know they're they're a little different than Loyola and Michigan, but how do they stack up? Uh, well, I think you got two elite point guards in that game. You got Jalen Brunson for Villanova, the likely national player of the year, and Devontae Graham, who uh, finally got Kansas over that hump, getting them to the Final Four for the first time since 2012. Uh, you know, I think both of those teams kind of go as those guys go. Uh, they they obviously have other players. Malik Newman was huge in the first four games, you know, and scored over 30 against Duke. And Villanova's got great guards as well outside of Brunson. We know about Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, you know, they got Phil Booth. I mean, they both teams are pretty deep in the backcourt, but they each have a stud at point. All right, so we'll get deeper now into the first matchup of Saturday evening, Michigan, and the national darling Loyola Ramblers. Um, we've watched Michigan all season, and I think just on paper – and it's kind of been harped on now as, as the matchups come out. Michigan clearly has the edge on defense. They're a great defensive team. Do you think it'll be enough to neutralize Loyola, who has really moved the ball well and has got some breaks to fall their way and then really turned it on in their last couple games? Do you think that defense is going to cause some problems for the Ramblers? I do. Uh, one thing about Loyola's offense that's been so good is that they can have four or five different guys drive the ball and Michigan's perimeter defense has been so good the whole season and so good in the tournament. I'm trying to see if Loyola can drive by those guys. Can they get penetration, get by Xavier Simpson, Charles Matthews, Rockman? They've been so good at keeping guards out of the paint. And Loyola's game, especially in the tournament, has been driving and getting points in the paint. So if Michigan can you know, slow that attack down, Xavier Simpson harasses, Clayton Custer starts that offense further out on the court, I think they'll be fine. All right, so you sent over some pregame notes for the matchup between Michigan and Loyola. You mentioned in those notes that Michigan is fourth in the nation in defensive efficiency, and that's after never finishing higher than 37th previously under Beeline in that category. So what do you attribute this sudden uptick in defensive efficiency to? Uh, I think they're a lot more athletic on the perimeter. Uh, I think they normally – uh, B-line point guards are, you know, just offensive guys. You know, we've seen Trey Burke and we've seen Derek Walton, we've seen Darius Morris, 
but they haven't really had a bulldog defensively, and that's exactly what Xavier Simpson is. I think he sets the tone for the entire defense. But they also have length with Rockman, Livers, uh, Charles Matthews. So I think they're a lot tougher when it comes to that. Um, and to Beeline's credit, and I know he said it after they won the Big Ten tournament this year, he knows he's not a defensive guy. And so he hires a defensive guy, and he you know, sits, sits on the bench during every game and lets him coach the defense kind of like a defensive coordinator, and Beeline just coaches the offense and tries to get those guys better. So I think that's a huge credit to Beeline. You know, obviously he's been coaching, you know, 30, 40 years, to still be able to evolve and adapt, know his weaknesses, and just try to figure out a way to get better. And, they, I mean, you can see the results. All right, so let's switch to the offensive side of the ball now. It's been kind of a weird run for Michigan through this tournament because they didn't play particularly well in their first two games of the tournament. Played out of their minds in the third game against Texas A&M, scored 99 points, and, and shot the lights out. Then they shot pretty poorly from outside against Florida State, a really long and athletic team. So it's weird. They haven't averaged over a point per possession except in that Texas A&M game. So what do you attribute this kind of flow of their uh, offensive production and output? What do you attribute that to? Because it, it seems pretty hot or cold for them right now. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you know, kind of going back to what we've been talking about previously, as good as the defense has been, the offense hasn't quite been as good as we're used to. We're used to seeing, and I think a lot of that is because they don't have a point guard that can set it up and get his own like the Waltons and the Burks and the Morrises uh, before Simpson. So I think that's been part of it. And guys have just missed some shots against tough defenses. I mean, Houston's a top 20 defense. You know, Florida State's a top 20 defense. And so when you're facing teams with length and athleticism, you know, it's much harder to make shots when you don't have as many good offensive players. But to their credit, they've been able to win with defense. All right, so let's uh, flip it over to Loyola and their strengths because, you know, people say they move the ball really well. They work really well together as a team. I'm sure you have some numbers to back that up. I know you mentioned, I think, at the top that Loyola shot the ball better than any other team in the tournament. What particularly have the Ramblers done well on paper that you can point to instead of just kind of generalizing, oh, they, they move the ball or, or they play together as a team very well? Yeah, so they shoot. They've been shooting 53% from the floor uh, during the tournament, which is the best of any team in the tournament that's played at least two games. And they've also made 42% from three in the tournament. So I think most of that is set up because they get a lot of easy shots because they go to the paint often. So they're either getting layups or guys are collapsing. And then because they move the ball so well, they can rotate it back out and get wide open shots from three. So if you look, the they've scored at least 34 points in the paint in three of their four tournament games. Nearly half of their points total have come in the paint because they've been so good at you know driving, either getting fouled, making layups, and that's caused the defense to just completely shift, and it's kind of a pick-your-poison at that point. All right, so you wrote in your preview that is posted on BTN.com, your Stats Guys preview, that Loyola might not have a player that can guard Mo Wagner for Michigan. Does Loyola, on the flip side, have a guy that might be a tough matchup for the Wolverines? Uh, well, I think their style could just be tough in general. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about Cameron Kretwig over the last couple of weeks. You know, he's kind of been the hub of their offense where they could dump it into him, and he's been a good passer. He's got some good post moves. 
but he really struggled against Nevada and, you know, he only played 13 minutes in that game due to defensive issues. And when that happened, they went small and their tallest guy was six, six. And what they wound up doing is they played all five guys on a perimeter and they just kind of took turns driving to the basket because all five of them could do that really well. So to It'll be interesting to see if they wind up going that route. Will Michigan be able to have a five like Wagner or Teske that can try to keep Loyola's five out of the paint? So we'll see, you know, if Wagner's having success and causes them to go small and Loyola starts to have success, we'll be curious to see what John Beeline does. All right, so Ken Palm's got this game as a five-point win for Michigan. That's, That's Ken Palm's prediction. I feel like most people I've talked to think Michigan has the edge as well. I agree with that. I, th- I think Michigan and, and Loyola, their styles are so similar that the talent on Michigan will, will win out because they have guys like Wagner and Charles Matthews that are you know, potential pro players. And then the, the craftiness of a guy like Zay Simpson. And you know, just overall across the board, you, you got a guy like Duncan Robinson who can knock down the big shot. And, and just that talent runs so deep there. What's your prediction? Do you think, you think Michigan's going to pull this one out? Or do you think Loyola's dream run... Uh, rolls on here? Uh, no, I think Michigan wins uh, for the exact reasons you said. Um, I think if they were playing this on a one-day turnaround, it might be a little tougher, but having five or six days to prepare, you know, John Beeline has proven time and time again how great of a coach he is, especially in these settings. You know, they've won 15 tournament games the last six years. You know, the only North Carolina's won more. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I think their players are better than Loyola's, and when the styles are similar, you go with the talent. All right, sounds good. Is that hard for a uh, Spartan grad like yourself to say, or, or not really because the numbers don't lie? Uh, you know, I'm a numbers guy. I mean, as much as I love my school, you know, it is what it is. You know, Michigan has done well. I picked them to go to the Final Four. So, you know, bias aside, I, you know, I see what I see, and, you know, I think they're really good, and they'll be playing on Monday night. All right, there you go. One last thing, H, before I, I let you go here. How about the Penn State Nittany Lions? They uh, stormed to the NIT final. Um, this is coming out Thursday, so if you're listening to this on Thursday, tonight they were playing the NIT final against Utah, and they've really kind of not had too much trouble. They've gone on the road and won some tough games. They won a neutral site game at Madison Square Garden against Mississippi State. They've been doing this all without Mike Watkins, their big man. It's kind of opened up a, a perimeter attack for them that's been really successful. What do you think about – do you think this is more of a – I mean, it's obviously a nice story – but do you think Penn State could have made some noise in the NCAA tournament? Do you think they should have had a season that ultimately took them to the NCAAs? Uh, they definitely had NCAA uh, talent. We know that. We you know Tony Carr, Stevens, Shep, Reeves. Those guys are very, very good players. And when Watkins is healthy, it's probably a top three starting lineup in the Big Ten. You could argue uh, that it was probably behind Michigan State and maybe Purdue in terms of talent. Uh, I think they could be really good next year if Tony Carr decides to come back. Um, it's funny, like the NIT is one of those tournaments where if you want to be there and you care, like you can do well. We didn't see a one seed make the semifinals, and some of that is because you know guys don't really care. They're bummed out that they missed the tournament, and other schools see it as a possible springboard in the next year. And if you look at the Penn State game against Temple, they kind of didn't care for three quarters, three and a half quarters. And then they turned it on late, 
got that win. And after that, they dominated Notre Dame. They dominated Marquette. They dominated Mississippi State. And so I think they're trying to go ahead and send Shep out a winner and take some hardware back to State College. Yeah, it's Shep Curry season. I don't know if you exactly. saw that. He set that three-point record yesterday for Penn State. So Shep Curry in the house at MSG. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Pat Chambers and, and those guys do deserve credit, even though they fell short of the NCAA tournament, that uh, they haven't stopped playing. They, they have kept playing for a, a common goal. And uh, they're having some fun now in New York. So we'll keep an eye on them as well. But the uh, big event is this weekend, obviously, with the Final Four in San Antonio. H, thanks for uh, coming on one more time. It was a lot of fun this season. And uh, we'll see how the uh, the Wolverines and, and, and Go Blue does this weekend down in Texas. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, again, I think they're, they're the favorite. I think they should win. And if they do, it will set up a heck of a title game Monday night. Yes, sir. All right, man. Thanks for the time. No problem. All right, thanks a lot to H, and uh, thanks again to Spike for joining me for this episode. Uh, should be a lot of fun this weekend at the Final Four. Should be some good hoops. I mean, Loyola and Michigan's kind of the interesting matchup, and then the monster kind of Clash of the Titans is going to be Villanova and Kansas. So it'll be it'll be interesting, and, and you know, kind of alluded to it in the show, but I like Michigan's odds to, to beat Loyola. I think their run's going to come to an end, as fun as it was for the city. Chicago and for kind of the whole nation to get behind I just think Michigan's a better team and uh, we'll see what happens Monday night in that national championship game and we'll see if uh, the Wolverines will be represented uh, on the national stage for the first time in five years and with that we will wrap it up here on the Take 10 podcast regardless of how Michigan does we'll definitely have some good stuff coming for you next week definitely follow BTN on social media all their digital media channels btn.com Twitter Facebook Instagram for some live coverage and uh, on the ground coverage in San Antonio especially if you're a Michigan fan because I think we will uh, send back some good stuff for y'all to enjoy as always thanks to Wes White for producing the show thanks again to everyone out there for listening and subscribing and we will talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast